Yeah, I don't know, man. You ever just feel like life is just catapulting towards like, some greater purpose? The only DJ crazy enough to tattoo Jackie Brown on his ass. This is Michael Mann, and I ride with Extended Clip. Welcome to Extended Clip. I'm one of your hosts, Eddie Averill. I'm Malcolm Baum. I'm Lydia Tarr. <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah, I don't know why I thought Ryan was just going to say his name as if he was on the pod. I we're mean, joined once again <laughs> uh, by, oh, actually, we're releasing this first, so you'll hear from him in about a week or so, uh, our most popular guest on the podcast. He's been on it a billion times. You know him. You love him. He's a film critic. He's a podcaster. He's Ryan Swen. Thank you. Thank you for having me on this uh, unexpected second second episode. Yeah, doing the intro twice in a night feels a little insincere. I'm sorry if it came across in my voice. I've been told that I'm not good at like hiding my insincerity. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And you know who could use a little better job hiding, you know, some of her emotions and really having really just like an attitude adjustment. <laughs> Is Lydia Tar? We're not gonna we're not gonna talk about the movie. We're gonna just kind of talk about the fictional character herself and kind of what do we think about her? I think she's. I, but I, I thought she was real. <laughs> I think she's. I mean, she's pretty cool. I would I would hang out with oh, her. I'd, I'd, I mean, yeah. look. I'm not saying I would turn her straight. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I said I'm not saying that. If I, if I were given the opportunity to do so. <laughs> I, 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 I wouldn't do it because it's still not the right thing to do. Tar <laughs> is a film by Todd Field. It's his first film in over a decade, yeah, probably. Since Little Children and In the Bedroom. Little Children. That's just pause right there. You can't be calling a film Little Children. That's just pause. Strikes one and two. So this was his last chance. Tar, Tar was an O2 pitch out of the zone that he fucking knocked out of the park. It like, really is. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. kind of insane. Um I, I had no idea I was going to like it this much. Just like the trailer, people were like, oh my God. And I was like, yeah, yeah it's a prestige movie with Kate Blanchett and a director I don't care about. Uh, and then I watched it and I was just absolutely, like the first time I watched it, I was pretty blown away. And then I was like, yeah, there's some of the plotting's like not all the way there. I didn't really love the whole narrative structure of it. I liked scenes better than the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And I watched it again and I was like, no, this guy's up to something. This yeah. guy is really up to something. Uh, Tar focuses on Lydia Tar, played by Kate Blanchett. Uh, Lydia Tar is a world-renowned conductor and piano player. Uh, she she got her master's from Harvard in oh, piano nice. recital. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, <laughs> she is uh, on her way down. It's something of a comeuppance story. Uh, she, you know, th there's a changing world around her. And more than caring about the changing world, more than caring about classical music, she cares about her own neurosis a little too much, I would say. She, she acts out a little bit uh, between, oh between a scandal that involves grooming uh, and kind of uh, shady email writing that leads to a suicide, as well as a viral moment. Yes, um, yes. And this is one of the three maybe films ever to use going viral as a plot point that's actually good uh yeah. there are probably a hundred films that use going viral <laughs> as a plot point and uh this is in that that lucky three percent although you know with this movie it already had so much goodwill saved up i kind of wish they 
cashed in a little bit more on like it's going viral and then like people like people are like running up to her it's like are you that Lydia Tar lady you know what I mean? who owned that you know I yeah. think the downplaying of the viral video is extremely smart yeah. no no it we'll is get I mean to it. yeah yeah there's a reason there's a reason for everything basically uh, she's a conductor she has a fall from grace between these few incidents that she has and it's her trying to keep it together as a person basically uh, the, the music becomes much less of a focus after an hour into the movie and it's really just a psychological drama so she owns a student when she's doing a master class at Juilliard uh, and her uh, he won't watch John Ford basically <laughs> it's, it's basically that time in film school when I watched the searchers and people said it was racist and like it's like yeah but unfortunately oh. I did not have a professor willing to go tar mode <laughs> Um, so basically she's uh, very very rude to a student uh, and uh, the video gets chopped up and goes viral and uh, it's like so clearly doctored and I saw multiple people say in reviews like no one would fall for that yeah that's kind of the point is that it's like first of all making fun of how doctored viral videos often are but mm -hmm. also there, there's multiple things at play here first of all the video is simply attached to the article about her grooming a woman who committed suicide yeah. uh, and her history of behavior like this. That is why she's getting canceled in the movie, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I think the, the way that it brushes us off is very smart because in that meeting, she's like, Oh, it's clearly doctored. No one would believe that. And they're like, yeah, but it's linked to a much bigger issue. Mm -hmm. uh, also that scene uh, is played in a long take, yeah. a very masterful long take that like, there's a lot of things about long take that are more impressive than actually effective. Mm -hmm. Acting often is one of them. Sometimes it's mm -hmm. like a contest of who can act sure. the longest. Um, <laughs> the performances benefit so much from the long Very take. Very immersive this. long it, takes. It, that yeah. that yeah. long take of the Juilliard Masterclass, these performances are just next level. I hated that kid's leg tick more than she did. <laughs> yeah. You know, like it really is so immersive with that. I... I, I think that long take is spectacular. There, the the deframing and reframing of it, if you will, uh, is really next level because there are so many individual frames in that that you could say like you could do a you could do a four by four screenshot post just for that one take <laughs> with four radically different compositions that are all masterful, you know. And on top of obviously the aesthetic boasting that it does, it's just like a super effective drama. I'll let you guys talk. I, yeah. I got tar fever. Over here. Wow. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Thumbs down. <laughs> cutting that out. No support from me on that one. Yeah, he's cutting it out. Yeah. He won't leave it in. No way. No way. I like your point about like how the style is in some ways boasting about itself because mm -hmm. I feel like that that sort of really typifies the film at large, which I did uh, love as well. I think it's really, really strong. And I think that what makes it especially, you know, sort of the, like, I, I don't really, I try not to grade on, you know, of in its, you know, in the current state of cinema or, or things like that or in its, um, you know, the films that will get watched, that sort of thing. But it is really remarkable seeing just this unapologetic of like a, of a big art film mm -hmm. of a big art art film in Hollywood. Yeah. Like and it's about art. Yeah. And about art. Yeah. yeah. Like it's just like this, most of it, uh, aside from that long take, which sort of sticks out in a way that's meant to stick out. Mm -hmm. Most of it, uh, the, the rest of it is in these sort of like very austere, 
uh, scope sort of um, long shot long shot takes where it feels almost uh, like it feels basically like a European film. I mean, most of the film uh, takes place in Berlin. Um, and the way that he's able to capture capture these spaces and capture the surroundings, it has a very uh, austere quality to it. Um, like in, in some ways it's, I don't know, it reminds me a bit of like Angela Shanelek or something like that. Mm. Uh, and and the, the way that the, that Tars and Cate Blanchett's sort of extravagance extravagance and, and and pleasure of talking and, and it's crucial i think at least for me like I, I find it intensely pleasurable to watch her just talk even if she's talking to adam gopnik yeah. like for like 15 yeah. minutes yeah. like it's, it's oh my God. yeah like it begins well after after some uh, things that i'm sure we'll get to like it begins with essentially three long conversations and the or at least two long conversations and and the way that those two are allowed to play out, allowed to, they like, you know, maybe drop some hints of uh, mm-hmm. like what narratives come, but a lot of it is just about this sort of almost negotiation, the this sort of the interplay of it, um, of um, of people who are knowledgeable talking about, about things that they like to talk about. So, and even as it gets more, you know, more just about Tar, more observing her as she's running or something like that, just the, the, the space that's given, the space that's given to, um, to her and to, to exploring how she sees the world, I think is really, uh, uh, really remarkable. Yeah, and it really paints the world of high end composing. Mm-hmm. You know, something I don't know much about. You know what I mean? And it, it uh, really gives it its space to, yeah, like you said, like has Tar give her judgments of that space. But you know, at first you have to, uh, you know give that make that space rich enough to where you could you know have a character judge that and it means something mm-hmm. kind of effectively and i think yeah like the the visual style of like um you know everything it it is kind of like you said austere and it's very kind of clean and impressive and uh the you know how performance emphasis it is is yeah i mean jt yes yes i think like it I really vibe with that coldness that yeah. I think like taps into sort of her worldview. And then again, like what you're saying about how the world is drawn out, like to create this intense, uh, like specificity to the space she's occupying is like, it's so funny to me when there is the like unexpected, like, uh, Alec Baldwin, like interview, <laughs> yeah. like if you were to build out MVP the world, the film, like, Alec Baldwin. <laughs> yeah. like if you were to see even more of like the world, like after, after tar is canceled, you definitely see her on like Tucker getting interviewed or something <laughs> oh like God. that. I love this. This is like the, in once upon a time in Hollywood in the book where Tarantino talks about how he would, uh, uh, Rick Dalton would go on Carson and talk about the silent majority and stuff. Like that's, that's so true, dude. Lydia Tarr would be on Rogan. Like Lydia yeah. Tarr, Lydia Tarr would not just go on Tucker. She would go on Rogan. I would see. I, I don't would know listen. if she could do. She listen. wouldn't do Tucker. I think that might be too exactly. That might be too right wing. The for New York her. Post. Who reads that? Remember yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, she know. Well, she would still go on. She knows that they're all frauds. But like, yeah. uh, there, there's a. I think she would go on Rogie for sure. Yeah. <laughs> No, I think I think what makes this movie really interesting too. It's kind of you think of like, oh, what's a liberal New York Times movie? Yeah. It's about some <laughs> composer, and it recognizes that, works within that milieu, and kind of 
critiques it, you know, from within the inside because you know one of our favorites here. I don't think he's been mentioned this season. Armand White, right? I saw. Yeah. I was like, "What's the reason that Armand White's not going to like this movie?" Because I know he's not going to like it. <laughs> yeah. He said too snobbish. You know what I mean? <laughs> Which is hilarious. That's actually very good. That's a That's good take done. <laughs> Essentially, like he does one of those reviews where he kind of half compliments it, but he's like, ultimately, it's too snobbish, and yeah. it's like, you know, and he he points out that New York Post line, but it it, it is like. I think, you know, he's not giving enough credence to how it's like, well, that's kind of what makes it, you know, interesting and kind of funny. You know what I mean? I, I, of course, yeah, that's his and coded I mean, way like, of saying, oh, it's, I don't like it because it's not right wing. But yeah. yeah. And, and I think, th- I mean, the Tar character, like, I feel like because she is, like, cold and cruel, it, like, really, the film gets, like, kind of that, like, sensibility, like, in the humor. Like, I think the movie is, like, incredibly funny at like points like i mean obviously the owning the student at the beginning is is hilarious um and then just like her her making up that like lie for like her falling that she was like (laughs) mugged as well just like that was hilarious because she just so confidently is like I was attacked. Let's move on. <laughs> right. uh, uh, go, wait, what what's up with that scene? What's going on there? Where, where she when she falls? Yeah, where like she's like that woman just lives in like a flooded. Yeah, that woman. Com- yeah, yeah. No, so she's tr- she's trying to fuck the cello girl, of course. But like, which th- th- that would have been great. Hey, you know, uh, more if it's good for the goose. It's good for like the gander. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, that lady happens to just live in like the European version of a Siming Lang apartment. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, uh, she gets so scared that she runs away. <laughs> She's so scared of like the dog and the poor people that she runs yeah. away and falls on her face. Right. Yeah. In her defense, what the fuck's going on there? Though? Yeah, There's no, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> no, the Berlin Siming Lang apartment is like pretty crazy and kind of spooky. Like kind of like the the slight horror turns this takes, which yeah. I feel like you know it's funny. I rewatched it yesterday. I remember there being more of it. It's it's mu- it's, it's only it's, like two brief dream sequences yeah, in yeah, that, yeah. right? Yeah. But they're so effective and they add such a different flavor to like this, you know, austere movie. We've said it, you know, a good amount of time, austerity. And um, I love austerity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like on an economic level? Economics. <laughs> that's probably my favorite economics for yeah. sure. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I think just like that little uh, subversion, I think really goes a long way and really sticks out to me. And I, you know, I don't know. It raises more questions which is good yeah speaking of questions yeah let's talk about the owning scene because questions is a huge part of this yeah. uh uh so I'll, I'll just give kind of the setup she's doing a master class sitting in on a conducting class at juilliard a pan-gendered uh bipoc student as he self-identifies is conducting a neoclassical kind of atonal thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's your thing, it's your thing. I think it sounds like junk. Uh, I'm kind of team tar there. Uh, I, I just don't like that. That kind of music just doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. Uh, n- nor does much classical, but like yeah. the good stuff I like, you know. <laughs> uh, so she, uh, tar then, is just like, you know, what are we even feeling out of this? This is just like it sounds like you're tuning, you know. Uh, what about Bach? 
And he's just like, well, you know, sorry. Oh, fuck. I keep misgendering the student. Uh, I'm so team tar. <laughs> uh, the the student says, you know, as a pangender BIPOC uh, student, I, uh, you know, I think bi- uh, box misogyny makes his music, you know, unlistenable or whatever. And when he just he had a lot of kids, it's like, what did yeah, he yeah. Do? Didn't he foster a lot of children? And then I love how she calls it like his proficiency in the bedroom or something like that. <laughs> uh, but she then uh, proceeds to play a little Bach, and she asks how it feels, and she talks about how the 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 that particular piano riff is a question and that Bach knows that the listener is more interested in the questions than the answers. And I think that that is basically how any smart person approaches art. Uh, uh, not like It's not a cut and dry thing. There are films that are very polemical and have an answer to a question. But I think this film on the whole is about raising questions and not having specific answers to them because how can you make a cut and dry statement on cancel culture when it's about Lydia Tarr of all people? <laughs> like there, there's no cancel case that's parallel to that. Mm-hmm. There's no re- like there's a lot of real world things it's drawing from. It's grounded in a fantastic sense of reality. Um, but I think that this is just a film about begging questions because that's what difficult mm-hmm. and important mm-hmm. and art for smart people is uh, supposed to do. <laughs> Yeah, you know, thinking of some other aspects, like I love, um, you know, how the younger people in the movie kind of view her, mm-hmm. aside from the student, mainly her first assistant and then the cellist, you know what I mean? Like it's it's, it's just, it's, you know, maybe not even a huge part of the movie, but I really think it's interesting how, you know, Tar obviously sees herself as this distinguished figure, who is distinguished, right? Yeah. She's a very... She's like the biggest conductor in the world in yeah. the film. Yeah, in the yeah. world of she the has film. An yeah, she has, <laughs> she's got an ego. She's got a fucking ego. She That's, beat fucking Tracy Morgan to yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. It's a big deal. And like you have like this. Uh, I love kind of how the the new way of thinking with the cellist, right, is mm. like contrasted. You know, in very obvious ways. You know, when they're talking about uh, who inspired you. You know what I mean? Is it like this Russian white guy? She's like, no, it's this. You know, person. You know, this. Uh, woman cellist that i saw on youtube she gave a really good youtube performance and that's how i picked it up and like kind of how she's realizing it's like oh you know we these people were not taught the same recipes as me and like even where you know there's kind of like this hidden aspect of like the two young people on their phones being like oh look at like look how like dumb and old and out of touch she is yeah and that's like, like the cold open yeah. is like someone yeah. instagram live messaging yeah. like uh you know wh- whatever the technology is i don't know how you exactly yeah. do this but she's you know live videoing in a chat with someone yeah. of lydia knocked out on a plane yeah. you know and this comes again later when uh you know she's looking through lydia's you know very fancy apartment or whatever and i there's such a disconnect in like the sincerity versus irony in yeah. multiple levels, though, because it's sincerity versus irony in terms of aesthetics and sincerity just as in general in terms of ideology and like how people are looking at the world these days, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Tar is the most sincere person about aesthetics in the history of movies. <laughs> yeah. All she wants to do is conduct great classical there's the scene her dark night of the soul scene if you're using blake snyder terms uh (laughs) she's like watching that leonard bernstein Mm -hmm. tape 
and she's crying and she's wearing one of her medals uh, <laughs> and he's talking about how music is so primal and it's just about feeling and you know that she got into it for the right reasons you know that she thinks that deep down but unfortunately she's also a psychopath oh, yeah. and her psychopathic oh, yeah. behavior has you know uh, she's drifted too far from the shore to quote a classic country song. Uh, you know, maybe she's got to listen to some fucking Hank Williams yeah. Sr., get a little bit of the old blues, learn a little about Jesus, you know, and she'll be a better person. Uh, well, returning to her, like, talking at the very beginning of sort of like this notion of art, like, begging the question and there being like this element of nuance there or just sort of like not to overgeneralize but like most great art having a level of ambiguity and like no clear-cut answers she's presenting that idea herself but i mean aside from like the negative aspects of her personality where she's like a sociopath um like there she has also kind of lost sight of that like herself in a way even like with dealing this with the student like mm -hmm. it is very funny to watch her uh own them but like a more generous professor you can see where the student is coming from to certain yeah. uh, to a certain extent and like recognize like the importance of canon but also like entertain like okay like representation and like bring that into the mold while she is like very much so open to like art for the right reason and like the feeling yeah. aspect of it like she has a very polemic like rigid way of seeing things and the per the potential professor that you're describing here is the extended clip podcast we respect the canon but we also love diversity and inclusion True. we're kind of we're kind of the bridge you could have said that a little bit more sincere but <laughs> <laughs> look we like the searchers and we like bipocs but we're it's, also you know we're also the fucking sneering youth that like yeah, you know, it's true. takes pictures of the old mast you know and yeah. like being like oh she's and you know it's funny to sorry to bring it back to that but it's like you know, us from our perspective, you know, whatever. But it's like, as an old person, that must be fucking terrifying. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Absolutely. That, like, you know, in a what much literal sense, like what these kids are doing with their phones, it's like, it's even worse than they even know. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I fear for some of my old film professors, like from Cal State Northridge, you know, one of them I loved, this guy who, uh, I mean, I guess he's a public figure. He's on like some Criterion uh, commentaries. Mm. Uh, he was the fucking man, but he said so many horrible things and was also very like opinionated about classical not yeah. just classic Hollywood, but like what he thought was classic cinema, which was mm -hmm. like Hong Kong cinema of the 70s to 90s mm -hmm. and Japanese cinema of the 30s to 50s. Like to him, that's what cinema is, basically. I'm not wrong. Uh, no, not at all. Oh, my God. No, we watched like The Only Son, Street with No End and like a Wing Chun in yeah. like fucking over the course of three months with that guy. And it was like, oh, this dude knows what the fuck is up. Mm -hmm. It's about. Japanese melodrama and Hong Kong movies where people beat each other up like those those are like the two best kind of movies kind of um, but like what like he is who I thought of because obviously I was thinking about film studies so much and I was thinking about my brief time at UCLA in film studies in a graduate program with a more 
upstanding liberal program around me versus me at the state school with the raunchy professor who shows actually good movies, you know? Uh, And it was a different professor that showed The Searchers where it was like, yeah, a third of the kids thought it was racist. Well, I wouldn't even say that. A third of the kids fell asleep. Yeah. Yeah. An eighth of the kids thought it was racist. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the other percent don't care at all. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. They were Uh, 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 (laughs) other But it just made me think of, like, obviously the world's changing and, you know, there's no room for people with old ideals and stuff like that. But also it's like, yeah, we do need to have a balance of moving forward and, uh, you know, keeping up with the new ideals and letting everyone be included. Like, and I'm actually being sincere here. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing the dumb guy face when I'm saying this. (laughs) Um, And I know my insincere voice is very clear even when I'm not trying. So no, I'm being real here. Uh, but like something like that with a respect for the classics, because I'm all about respecting the classics, yeah, whether yeah. it's John Ford or Bach. It's something we're going to do regardless. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I think it's just like it's a really interesting film about the way that art is perceived, taught uh, and I guess performed and made throughout mm-hmm. different generations. Uh, because also, like, her favorite shit is so dusty. It's, like, 300 years old or whatever. Uh, and it's just, like, the the difference between her and her students feels a million years apart. It's, yeah. like, 30 years or whatever. And, like, she feels so much more connected. Well, she feels most connected to Bernstein, who's only one generation out. But, like, both of them feel so much more connected to Schubert than... Uh, or, no, not Schubert. Mahler. Uh, uh, Mahler. Yeah. I just watched The Piano Teacher, so uh-huh. Schubert popped yeah. in my head. Um, they're more, more connected to Mahler than any contemporary person, mm-hmm. you know. Um, also, she's missing the side of Bernstein where he was like involved with like contemporary like theater and stuff mm-hmm. like that, like where he like was like, yeah, I'll be a popular guy too. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, no. Lydia Tarr did film scores and stuff like that. I wish we saw more. She of got that. her egot. Yeah, she yeah. got her egot. I, I kind of wish we saw more of her like pop culture style stuff. Like, what what Ooh. was she doing? Like John Cale style film scores, <laughs> like like the American Psycho score or anything like that. Like, uh, I, I'm interested. I think it, they were more like uh, Trent Reznor. Oh, uh, dude. <laughs> Minimal. Yeah, there yeah. is that Build classic. Glass, maybe. Yeah, yeah, there's the meme going around of her like as a DJ because there's one pose <laughs> she strikes, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. where it's like her with the pioneer headphones at the turntable. It's probably yeah. going to be the cover image for this episode, but uh, I could see her drop in some like ambient tech house kind of yeah. shit. Yeah. Kind of random, but you know, I, oh, we I th- love random. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's club random. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> if you guys are run out of extended clip to listen to, go listen to Club Random with Bill oh, Maher. Absolutely. Great podcast. <laughs> um, but. Sincerely, one of my favorites, but um, <laughs> not a joke. Don't take it as a joke. But um, uh, fuck, I forgot what I was gonna say. Uh, All right, so wrapping wait. up on tar. Uh, wait, <laughs> you can no, finish, you can get to your thoughts. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep talking. I'll I know that's what I'm saying. That. We're gonna get back to you. Yeah. It'll be part of your final thoughts. Oh no, I, this is this is not even that deep. It just great performance <laughs> by Kate Blanchett, and it like yeah. it kind of reminded me. How great she really is! Like I don't know. Sometimes if she's like, in a lot of bad movies, she she could yeah, be in sure. a lot of bad movies. I kind of, and this might be controversial, but I kind of felt this with like Tilda Swinton until like uh, Memoria. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not not that she's like kept doing bad movies necessarily, but I just kind of forgot mm-hmm. how uh, great of performer you know yeah. she could be. And like you know, this is a, a home run out of the park for that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! If it isn't fucking oh, Rob yes. Franco. Hello. Uh, well, I'm on the pod. I'm drunk as shit. I'm wearing a Scooby-Doo costume. It's Eddie's Halloween party, baby. Uh, yeah, and if, if you're not here, 
Fuck off. <laughs> That's true. That's gospel. <laughs> uh, 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 we could also get another mic grab here. I just like say, Baba Booey, Baba Booey, Howard Stern rules. God damn it. Fucking rip Baba Booey does. God damn it. Um, we're going to wrap up here because people are arriving. It is my birthday as we're recording this episode and we're having a little soiree. Hey, if, if you got, you got, you know, uh, a birthday cake, light the candles, you got <laughs> something to drink, pop it open. This is a celebration, you know, Ce- celebrate the, the pod leader that brought you here, Eddie. So happy birthday to Eddie. Um, I'm going for four bullets on tar. I just think it's like. The, the second time I watched it, I think I gained an appreciation for the overall dramatic structure. I was more interested in how the seeds were planted than how they played out the first time I watched it. Like, the Juilliard scene is the best scene in the movie to me. Uh, it still is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, between that and, like, her approaching the cellist and stuff like that, like... Uh, but now I really like, I think it's a really even-handed arc. And the the way down, especially that scene where she's watching the Bernstein video and, like, her hick brother, you know, calls her <laughs> by her real name and is like, I don't know what you're doing here, you know? Linda. <laughs> like, Linda Tarr. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just think it's fantastic. It's one of the best movies of the year. And Todd Field uh, co-invented Big League Chew. And I just really? worked on a movie. Oh, you didn't know that? It's been a very viral thing lately. I'm he not into a, virality. He was, a, uh, he was a bat boy for a minor league baseball team, and they wanted to find a substitute for uh, chewing tobacco. So he fucking... Him and the guy he co-founded it with got the trademark, and Big League Chew was born. And I just shot a baseball movie where I had, like, a... I probably bought, like, 200 packs of Big League Chew for that movie. Uh, so I'm just lining Todd Field's pot. Well, the producers of that movie are lining Todd Field's pockets. <laughs> yeah. You helped them out there. Um, Don't forget also Eyes Wide Shut, of course. Of yeah. course, yes. he's Nick Nightingale in Eyes Wide Shut, and he is also an appearance in Twister. <laughs> alongside, so he's worked with some of the best. He was act- in uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. He has appeared alongside or directed some of the best actors of our time. He appeared alongside Tom Cruise. He appeared alongside Philip Seymour Hoffman and um, is it Pullman that's in Twister or is it the other Will? Is it Paxton or Pullman? Yeah. Oh boy, I hate when I'm this. Either guy. one. Either uh, one. He knows how. He knows what actors do. He's an actor himself. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so he pulled it off, and I think he gets amazing performances out of everyone. Everyone. <laughs> Malcolm? Four bullets for me. Yeah, I mean, this is a really great movie. I mean, it is. It, I, I think it's uh, constructed in a way that, you know, is like uh, makes it very like discussion based. Like it makes people want to talk about it. And like that's fun. And, it, and, it, and it's fun to have a movie like that that I truly enjoy too. You know what I mean? So it's like. Great job, Todd. Uh, good movie. Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, also four bullets. For me, it's just a, I mean, it's, it's been a good year for films that run a long time, but still have this really great pace to them. I think this one does. I think uh, Babylon by Damien Chazelle does not. <laughs> to say oh, yeah, we didn't get to talk about Babylon. Damn, right. Yeah. Uh, we, we mentioned it on the next episode, yeah, you see, yeah. but uh, Ryan saw Babylon and it's bad. It's, it's atrocious. Uh, I mean, that's like the only half star I've ever seen you give. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, it's that and Jojo Rabbit. Jo- oh, okay. For, for recent films. Yeah. Well, those yeah. are two. Those are two that look horrendous. Yes. So I and Babylon is like three times longer than it's Jojo. Like so, three, yeah. three hours, eight minutes. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. Ryan, if you had to watch one again, what would it be? Oh. I, I mean, I think it would actually 
<laughs> it would still be Babylon. Really? It looks, it looks, it looks better. Yeah, uh, okay. It looks, oh, because uh, to quote Lex G from the Lex G podcast, he's a sheen thief, and he stole the Paul Thomas Anderson 90s sheen yeah. for that movie. Yeah, he I, absolutely did. I see it for Eric, is Eric Roberts under over five minutes of screen time. Over. Say, Ooh, see, Ooh. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. Okay. Well, he plays uh, Margot Robbie's dad. Oh, uh, <laughs> that is kind of a less interesting role. But well, but but yeah. like no, he has some like he has a, some good moments. Okay, I'll, say I'll see it for Roberts alone. Yeah, he, we're he's big f- Eric Roberts fans on the pod. <laughs> if yeah. you didn't know, yeah, he's fun. Uh, so but for but Taj, it's just so like it's stately in a certain way. It just I I, I love just experience being being like in her space, just like like watching and listening to her talk and, and sort of revel in the in all these different interactions. Um, and so I think that like I, I in some ways I do definitely prefer the just the scenes about music versus the um, you know the, the downfall. But I think even in those moments there's just some really well just some really considered moments. It, yeah. it has just so many great moments, little little individual bits. Um, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, definitely among the best of the year. Uh, JT, what about you? Um, yeah, I'm just going to wrap up and say uh, four bullets. <laughs> While Lydia Tarr, I will not go as far to say she is innocent. Uh, <laughs> Dude, you just got a letter I cook. can feel uh, some level of uh, sympathy towards her because much like... Uh, Birthday boy Eddie Averill, she is at war with the Zoomers. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I'm not gonna say anything about that. I've dug my grave way too yeah, deep. Those not, fucking idiots. We've gone, we've gone way too far. I've gone way too far. <laughs> uh, but Lydia Tar, you know, we we believe in forgiveness and redemption. You have a seat in our house anytime. Yes. Oh, can we briefly talk about the ending? Oh, what yeah, sure. crazy, crazy ending! Yeah. So I mean, it's so it's like it's she doesn't like China or whatever. <laughs> I don't, I don't get it. Pretty sure it's Thailand. <laughs> Thailand. <laughs> <laughs> so she has to she has to conduct amateur students in uh, Southeast Asia, and uh, and then there's a reverse shot that kind of tricks you into thinking like uh, she's conducting normal people and then there's a bunch of cosplayers in the audience. Well, so it's, it's, it's for Monster monster Hunter. Yeah, they're Monster Hunter cosplayers. Yeah. And that's how it ends. And it's like Sadly, well, not the Paul W. Sanders. Yeah, yeah. No, there's no PWSA cameo. Um, but yeah, and then it ends on this horrible electronic song. And it's like, I guess it's just a giant fuck you to like the classical establishment kind of. But It's like, time to move on. I, I think it's one of those things where I like the message more than the application. Because oh, yeah, sure. it's, it's like, we heard good music during this It's movie, very remember? uncut Jemsian, right? Wow, wow. <laughs> Okay, that's all. Um, uh, 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 our next episode is going to be the one that we just recorded where we talk about greed and uh, how hot, and it's going to be great. But thank you for listening to our tar episode. My, I'm not going to say it again. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> No. You didn't say it, but you, di- you didn't say it before either. <laughs>
there. When I get there, I go right to the weight room. So then I, I listen to all hip hop when I'm in the weight room. Like DMX, crazy. Like I've been on some DMX shit lately in the weight room. And then when I leave the weight room, I gotta calm down. And that's when I'm listening to like more like old school jazz or, or well, I listen to a lot of uh, like Beethoven and shit too. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, like classical, like classical music too. Well, under like eight, uh, Beethoven can really yeah, yeah. turn yeah. it up. I listen to a lot of classical yeah. music like when I'm just trying to, and then like probably about Well, I listen to a lot of uh, like Beethoven and shit too. This is Mel Gibson. I, I'm telling you, I wouldn't give this guy's troubles to a monkey, monkey on, on a rock. rock. <laughs> There's a 29-year-old woman in Australia claims to be his daughter, claiming to be his love child daughter. And guess who Mel is blaming it on? <laughs> you get it? All right. Trouble with a classicist, he looks at a tree. That's all he sees, he paints a tree. The trouble with a classicist, he looks at the sky. He doesn't ask why, he just paints a sky. The trouble with an impressionist, he looks at a log. He doesn't know who he is standing, staring at this log. And surrealist memories are too amorphous and proud. While those downtown matcha painters are just off guard.